everybody. <laughs> I'm Mike Fosmon, and you are listening to part two ten. of episode 10. Part G. Part 10. <laughs> Alphabet letters said of episode 87. No. Part two of episode 10 of VGM Generations. And with me, as always, is Jordan Blinsky. <laughs> no, they're switching places. <laughs> What's going on? And Aaron Malachuk. Hello. Oh, God. Do Everything's backwards. Like Jeez. <laughs> yeah, you kind of do. But anyway. They're here. They've switched places, but hopefully not for the whole podcast. We'll see. We'll see. We'll never know. I'll talk about your songs. You talk about my songs and we'll have no real information. Exactly. Exactly. The question is, would you, would you know the difference if we switch places? Would our two listeners would know? Would our two listeners know the sounds of our voices? <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. Well, the one of them is your mom, so she might know. No, I don't. I don't <laughs> she even, no, she wouldn't even, no. she wouldn't know. No. She doesn't care. <laughs> she wouldn't know. All right. I call your mom all the time and pretend to be here all the time. <laughs> Everyone calls my mom. <laughs> oh, anyway. All right. We're going to leave that one alone. Um, Jordan, you're up first this week. All right. What's your game, buddy? Super Mario Brothers 2. Oh, I guess. Wait, just before you start, we should say we're doing the classic NES Famicom mini. Yeah. Yeah. We're celebrating the theme. If celebrating. you listen to our last one. Yeah. If you yeah. didn't listen to the first one, that's yeah. the theme for this month. This month, because it's coming out. It's coming out this month. So and we're all very all excited. And we're all going to buy two of them and be poor. <laughs> Famicom mini games and NES mini games. Mm-hmm. NES so classic, classic. Yeah, it's Famicom mini and NES classic Just for some stupid us. reason. So this is on both the NES classic and on the Famicom mini. Oh, it must uh, be an awesome game. It must be. It must be the second best Mario game of all time. <gasps> oh, I said it. Yeah, and our listeners will agree because because <laughs> I'm right. Because I'm right. I agree. It is. Yeah, yeah, it's totally awesome. And I mean, like, it's it's really cool. Like. So we got uh, Mario 2, which most people know is um, a classic Mario game from 1988 created by Nintendo. It was, um, there's a big back history with um, Doki Doki Panic. If you don't know, just real quick, it's uh, when when Mar- the original Mario 2 came to North America, um, Nintendo of America demoed it and felt it was a, too complicated. It didn't showcase the new graphics. Well, it that, was exactly like the original, but stupid hard. Yeah, it yeah. was Mario 1 with new levels, yeah. a couple new items, but essentially it was way harder, uh, not not enough change. They, the graphics were, they were pushing what graphics could do on the Nintendo, and they wanted to show that. Um, they felt that because Mario was sort of their flagship of the company and uh, they, they really wanted to keep that running. They wanted to try something different. So they went back to Nintendo of Japan and um, I guess, you know, they, they had some clout because the president of Nintendo of America was the, I believe, son-in-law Son-in-law. of Nintendo of Japan's president. So they're like, yo dad, you know, this game, it kind of sucks. So (laughs) I'm sure that's exactly how he brought it to him. Give me some, give me something else. So they, uh, so they talked back in the, (laughs) especially Japanese people. (laughs) So they, uh, they said, okay, well, you know, we don't really have time to make you a new game from scratch. So they dipped into the well and they said, well, you know, we have this other game called uh, Doki Doki Panic. What would you say if we swapped out all the characters for Nintendo characters? Would that work? And they looked at Doki Doki Panic and they said, hell yeah, send that <laughs> over. So that was the birth of the North American Super Mario Bros. 2 or in Japan, as it's known as Super Mario Bros. 2 USA. Man, it gave us the chance to not just play as Mario and Luigi, but also Toad and Peach for the first time. No, it was uh, Toad and Princess Toadstool. That's right, because she was still <laughs> just right, Princess yeah. Toadstool. She wasn't time. Peach yet, was she? She was Peach in in, uh, in Japan, but we like called her... Not in North uh, America? Yeah, yeah. Oh, weird. Um, 
somewhere on one of the Super Nintendo games, um, I think that was the first time they called her Peach. Uh, it wasn't until Mario 64 that they sort of bridged the gap and they called her Princess Toadstool Peach. <laughs> if you remember the letter yeah, that yeah. she wrote Mario at the beginning. That's right, she signed um, it. Because even in Mario 3, she signed that, all her letters as Princess Toadstool. Yeah. Is that That's when right. she baked him a cake? Yeah, when she baked him a cake. <laughs> So yeah, there we go. That's sort of the the quick and uh, the quick and rough backstory of of Mario Two. Um, there's a lot. So I don't know. I don't like. There's there's so much I could say about the game, but early I'm just going to sort of highlight some of the more weird and interesting points in the game. Um, so I think everybody knows Birdo. Yeah. In the original game, um, there was I guess sort of a translation error, and if you beat the game and go through the credits. Uh, as well as in the instruction booklet, um, it lists Birdo as Ostro. And then there's a character in the game called Ostro, which was supposed to be Birdo. I mm-hmm. think they, they, yeah, they there's an ostrich the that you ride on. Yeah, the ostrich yeah. is Ostro. And um, Birdo works for an ostrich too, though. So, <laughs> what do you mean? Well, because an ostrich is like a bird. So, and, but, but, I thought you meant like work for like as an employee. Of, yeah. and that didn't oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I thought too. I'm oh. like, what? Birdo works no, for that work, ostrich? Works the one as that, a that name. shy guys wrote? Sorry, I works as a name for an ostrich. <laughs> I thought he was employed by Wart. But, uh, and, and, you know, like Mario 2 was just a strange game. It was, uh, it took place in, in Subcon, which yeah, was, was all short for the subconscious mind of, of being Dreamland, I guess you could say. And on top of that, because of Doki Doki Panic, it was all Persian-inspired, right? Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and that had to do with um, the, uh, there was a, a festival or an expo going on in Japan called the Dream Factory Expo. And that's where Doki Doki Panic came from, was they asked Nintendo to create them a game to celebrate this big, giant festival. So they had the, the Dream Factory Festival and... The Dream Family were the four main characters, and those that the whole Arabian theme, and that's how they sort of reworked it into the Mario, the Mario game that we know. But interesting side note is that um, the team that developed Doki Doki Panic was the same team that uh, ended up reworking it for Mario Two, and you know Miyamoto and some of the other guys were involved in that. So a lot of people say Nintendo took it, took and uh, sort of ripped off Doki Doki Panic, but really. It was their own work. It was all yeah, Nintendo. Yeah, they just yeah. were repurposing their own stuff anyway. And and the guy that created uh, Doki Doki Panic was was very much inspired by Mario. So a lot of the development of Doki Doki Panic was inspired by Mario. So in a weird way, it was always meant to be a Mario game. Yeah, I remember he, hearing that Miyamoto, um, uh, reading or hearing that Miyamoto, after he first saw Doki Doki Panic, really loved it. Like thought it was a really cool and neat idea, and thought it like played very well and all that stuff. So he like wrung his hands together and plotted a way to steal yeah, it he away. Was like, oh. <laughs> and he called, he called, he called uh, the other then, evil guy Koji Kondo. And the, the well, guy. that's a good point because you know we all know how lazy and unoriginal Koji Kondo is. So just like you know, did he do the soundtrack? He did. Yeah. Okay. So just like Nintendo ripped off their own ideas, right? It just yeah. kind of all ties together with how yeah. lazy and unoriginal this game is. But no, this game is probably the most far out, strange, different Mario game just yeah. one more thing that you were gonna say before like the arabian thing yeah. i always thought toad was like stylized to be like a more arabian character because of this game he looked like it like well, he yeah, well, he's I mean, kind of got the, the puffy pants and yeah. the whole yeah but i think he was like that even in the first game because that vest he always had that like open vest yeah and, like, but just like pants. I and, like, and i think they nintendo always thought that his mushroom head looked like a turban yeah so that's well it was just like before doki doki pants. this game kind of like cemented that idea yeah, oh, totally. in my head i was like oh that's why he kind of looks like that is because he's from arabia or something yeah. 
And the game also gave us some of the best enemies ever in like Shy Guys and Sniffits and Ninja Eyes and all those. A lot of, of a, oh, yeah. yes, Shy Guys all started yeah. there. That's yeah. that's crazy when you think about that. And though the ones you mentioned, they all sort of continued through with the Mario ser- uh, franchise, but a lot of them didn't. I learned through doing some research, like uh, if you remember the Phanto masks mm-hmm. that chase you when you pick up the keys. Yep. Yeah, those were apparently masks that were part of the um, the Dream the Dream Factory Expo. So like a lot of the elements from that game, I've always been I've always like you know, just hungered for a new Mario 2 remake or something like that. You know, bring back a lot of those elements, but Mm. seems like they probably can't because of the licensing. Oh, do you think they're, like, specifically licensed to that and they can't actually... That all would have run out by now. Well, and I'm not saying that that's actually the case either. I'm just saying that that's where it all originated from. So you can understand why Mario... They or sorry, Nintendo probably holds on to the stuff that they've created a little more closely than stuff that they didn't create. Hmm. Yeah, because Phantos are a great enemy. I love that. Yeah, super <laughs> cool. Just just the idea of that, like they should at least bring that back. But mm-hmm. well, was it is it Mario three that has the suns, the angry yes, suns yeah. that chase you? So they're kind of the same idea, right? Well, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It was like the Phantom was the Terminator. It's like it didn't matter if you went through a door <laughs> or true. you left through a wall, pipe or yeah. whatever. Like that thing's coming for you. Yeah, so that's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into some music. Uh, I think I picked the underground theme. You did. <laughs> All right. Let's listen to the underground theme from Mario Bros. Two. back a lot of memories because when I think of this particular uh, theme um, there's so many so much variation to the underground levels like there's you know there's the cave type ones there's the the hor- um, the the vertical uh, platforming ones where maybe you're uh, like world one four where you're going up Mouser's tower climbing the chains and then you have to descend back down the tower or the mm-hmm. ones where you're like in the desert and you're digging through the sand and you're like creating oh, a path. Those the, or those the sand digging ones when the thing is chasing you. What it was it called again? Fanto. The Fanto. Yeah. When you're digging through the sand and the Fanto is chasing you. Crazy. That's the most stressful oh, thing yeah. ever. And you have to toss the key and it's way up there. Yeah. And, you no, know. that's honestly one of the most stressful <laughs> like game things of all time. Sniffits are gonna fall on your head. Stupid mice. Uh, one one last note I want to mention about the game because I think you know if we're going to highlight all the weird and interesting things about Mario Two, I think it, you have to kind of mention um, Birdo's backstory. <laughs> yeah, because I think uh, you know I think we may have talked about this once before, but anyway, go I'm, ahead. Anytime I get a chance to mention this, <laughs> I'm all for it because I think it's super fun. Uh, in the instruction booklet, uh, Birdo's description says he he believes he's a woman. Along the lines of that, he thinks he's a girl. He spits eggs and he thinks he's a girl. Mm-hmm. And he's got a bow on his head. So they're flat out saying it's it's a guy dressing up as a girl. So he's got some gender confusion issues. Mm-hmm. He's laying eggs though. Well, he's not <laughs> laying them. He's spitting them out of That's his true. mouth. <laughs> um, so there's so there's that. He doesn't. That, he, he or she doesn't really make sense in any context. No, no. <laughs> well, I think it's fair if he wants Didn't to they be retcon. Retcon it in later well, games and, and said it was a she. Yeah, um, a, a few games later, I think somewhere in like uh, tennis, Mario tennis. I, I th- thought that was the last time they called it 
a girl or a boy thinking he's a girl, but that, but maybe that was the first okay. time they they made thought, it official. I thought that's when they reckoned yeah. it. Yeah, I miss Birdo. Like, why isn't Birdo in more Mario games? Like the, in tennis, like that, like those sort of games. They should bring Birdo back all the time. I wish. Yeah. I wish they would just golf. Let Birdo do cart. her job and make her a sub boss again in yeah. at least like some game because now she's sort of a, a Yoshi. Uh, companion of sorts. Yeah, yeah that's true. Kinda, like they've even they kind of play them together. They've, they've always said like Yoshi doesn't really have a gender, and then they go and have this pair him up <laughs> with this with his girlfriend. That's like doesn't really have doesn't a gender. Really either. know their gender, <laughs> and it's a match made in heaven. Hmm. It's love in the Mario world. There yeah, you go. I do, but like just to finish off this topic though, I I wonder if we'll ever 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 like maybe not next year or in ten years or whenever, but like if they'll ever make like another. Mario 2 style-ish game. Because like all the Mario, all the new Super Mario Bros and stuff kind of all harken back to the original Bros or 3. three. I almost consider the Yoshi Island series to be the spiritual successor to that because it's about tossing things. It's about picking up things and then throwing things. And then on top of that, it's also features prominently Shy Guys as like the main enemy, right? That's true. So So like, yeah, mechanics-wise and some enemies. But like... I don't know. I would love the four-player. I think what yeah. mechanic again? What, that would be really cool. What it needs to do to be, a, you know, a proper Mario Two successor, it needs to have some vertical platforming. Mm. There has to be some element of, um, I guess, like picking things up, throwing mm. things because because yeah. originally Mario Two was based on being s- simply a vertical platformer where you needed to pick up the other player or mushrooms and objects and stack things to climb. There needs to be something like that. And then I think what would really help is just having some different weird characters because it took place in in the dream world. So they were able to like introduce all these weird characters. I would love to see them bring back Wart. <laughs> You're telling me that other Mario games don't have weird characters? Again, talking about Yoshi's Island, I'm pretty sure they had flying condoms in that game, but you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. But, but Touch um, fuzzy, get dizzy. Yeah. A lot Touch of the fuzzy, char- get dizzy. A lot of the characters all sort of tie back to... It's funny because as we're talking about it now and describing it, I'm kind of like going back on my original statement because like it just kind of feels like they've taken all the elements and mixed it into all the new games because you do pick stuff up in some of the new games. You do throw them. There is some vertical platforming section. So it's all kind of there, but nothing really feels the same way. And maybe because it was just so different the first time we played it. I don't know. And, you know, the other thing on top of that is that, of course, Mario 2 is not present in Super Mario Maker on the Wii U, which is too bad because obviously all the mechanics are based on the regular running jumping mechanics. They don't have the picking up mechanics. Yeah. But... And I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before. There's that fan game, which is Super Mario X, which yeah. before Super Mario Maker on the on the uh, Wii U, um, Super Mario X was a big fan community where the, somebody had actually developed a version. I think it was the guy who actually made Terraria, if you know the game Terraria, yeah. who developed this game where it incorporated all of the elements from all of the Mario games and also from some from Zelda and also some from Metroid as well. And where you could build your own levels and then play them in the Mario universe, and it had all the same mechanics. So you had everything from, like, tanuki suits to capes, and they had all of, like, the pulling up b- b- bombs out of the ground. They had the pulling up of vegetables. They had any element that was in any of the Mario games yeah. all blended together, and it worked awesome. And on top of that, four-player simultaneous co-op play. What was the, um, what was the like, art style? The art style was, I would was say... It kind it was, of world? Well, no, the art style was more... Um, yeah, I would guess it. I would say it was it more like lost, like the uh, all stars. It was more okay. all stars than oh, it was. Okay, world. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so kind of more sixteen bit. Yes, everything yeah. was much more sixteen bit. So okay, and fit into that world. But it was the art style was also. They also took things like I said. There were Zelda elements, so you could actually play as Link from Zelda Two, 
uh, except it was like an upgraded, almost Mario All-Stars version of Link from Zelda 2. And it was all really well done. Like all the sprite work was bang on. This could have absolutely looked past for an official game. And it's like, it's the Mario Maker that we all wish that Mario Maker actually was. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I, not, that, not to disparage Mario Maker. It's a great game. It's super accessible, but it's still not as good as the fan-made one. Yeah, well, and it only has so much in it, right? They they tried to make it more user-friendly yeah. and, mm-hmm. and keep it more simple. Right? Now it's coming yeah. out for the DS? Yeah. The 3DS. 3DS. <laughs> uh, the threeds. The threeds, as we like to call it. But anyway, all right. Uh, Aaron, all right. your pick, buddy. My pick is uh, another great classic game from my childhood that I played a hell of a lot. And I want to say on that last one too, this is just a point that is also totally relevant for the game that I'm about to talk about, is that you listen to that song, the Mario 2 song, and you realize that that's a great song. Everybody knows it. Completely classic. That loop is like three seconds long. Yeah. Like there is nothing to it. It is the shortest song ever. And of course, my game is Bubble Bobble. <laughs> speaking and of, even speaking of loops, short loops. <laughs> yeah, speaking of short forever. loops that go on forever, is there was like no other music than the main theme and a faster version of the main theme in Bubble Bobble, where it's like, you know, that's you, not even that's not even another song though. That's no, just, it's not even another song. The yeah, it's like, oh no, now like you're running out of time or you've got one level left, hurry up, and then it plays just the faster version. Yeah. But that song, despite the fact being like a ridiculously short loop, I love that song. Like that song was great. And all the music in that game, like I'll just uh, give you the actual details, is was developed by uh, Tato in 1986. And uh, the composer was Tadashi Kimajima. And good pronunciation. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but all the music in the game was actually written by a band called Zantada, which was Taito's house band. So they actually had like they had a house they had a house, wow. house band. And I don't know what like like it sounded almost like the kind of band that would you know like get together and jam and play gigs and that kind of thing. And so they wrote all the music for Bubble Bobble. It's like which that was, Sonic Two thing that I brought up a little while ago, where he was just like the he was like the bassist or the lead singer of some other band, and yeah. they just asked him to do the Sonic <laughs> Two music. And, uh, of course, all the music was originally written for the arcade game because the arcade game of Bubble Bobble came first. Yeah. And uh, then Bubble Bobble became so popular that it was ported to everything. And I mean everything. I spent, actually, while I was doing my research for this this episode, I spent like an hour digging up my old graphing calculator from high school. (laughs) If you remember graphing calculators. Did you have Bubble Bobble on that? I didn't, but I found a version of Bubble Bobble for it that 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 runs on a graphing calculator. (laughs) But unfortunately, the batteries had been in my calculator. They had leaked. The thing had died. So if you have a tech classes, I don't have the actual one. TI-83 Plus. TI-83 Plus. If you have the classic Texas Instruments graphing calculator, you can put Bubble Bobble on it. I actually have the USB link cable, (laughs) so I could do it. That's awesome. I have been doing math wrong my whole you life. You have been doing math wrong <laughs> Well, I remember life. in high school, like, everybody just, they would play, there was like a, I think it was Super Block Bros or something mm. like that, or Super Block Man or something it was called, and it was just a Mario ripoff, but people would be playing in physics all all class. Wow. Yeah, I had no idea you could even play games on it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> that's the oh, thing. Yeah, like, no, it was cool. Like, this, just, just to prove that Bubble Bobble has been on everything, and of course, you know, the NES version is an absolute classic. Now... The song, oh, one more thing I want to mention that's in my notes. There was a weird point that I'd never heard before was that um, much later, I don't know what year it was, Taito actually lost the original source code for Bubble Bobble. Like they they misplaced it somehow. They lost the code. So they actually had to hire a third party developer to reverse engineer the game and rewrite the code. From a cabinet or something? Yeah, from like from a cabinet or something like that. So they Hmm. they just didn't have their original source anymore and they had to 
extract it. So they basically had these, this company um, remake it, and it turned into this uh, one of the Rainbow Islands sequels was actually okay. what, what came of that. Cool. Crazy. So the song that I picked is actually not the classic Bubble Bubble song that plays what? on every level forever. I picked a song that's called Secret Treasure Room. Now, <laughs> now, is there a secret treasure room in Bubble Bobble? No, there isn't. Not in, uh, not in the NES version anyway. Um, which what, is this music is from. Which is what this music is from. It's from the NES version. Now, this song always intrigued me because always, I always called it the Russian dance song from Bubble Bobble. That's all I knew it as because I so just named it So is it the it Tetris theme? Because that's what <laughs> Tetris music sounds like to me. <laughs> Maybe it kind of reminded me of Tetris in its way, but I always okay. called it just the Russian dance song. And the only way to actually play this music in the game was um, just to give a little bit of a, how Bubble Bobble works, is that you get to level 99, and then level 100, you fight the boss. It is actually not the real boss. It's a fake boss. So what you had to do is you go back to level 99, you have to grab this um, crystal ball, which warps you past level 100, or that boss, and takes you to these like level extra levels. One. It's basically A1. And then you go through like these lettered and numbered um, levels. And I yeah. think there's about like 30 of them before you actually get to the real boss of the game who has double the health of the uh, fake boss. So you have to fight that boss and win, and you also have to do it with two players. You need a second player with you. Yeah, we talked about this. Yeah, we did talk yeah. about yeah. this. So this is just, just a quick refresher. Yeah. You get the second player, you beat the game, and that's the good end. You've actually beat the proper game. And then after that, you watch Go to the, the secret treasure room? No. Oh. <laughs> There's a, the credits play. Yeah. And at the very end of the credits is a sound test. So only if you've gotten the good end and watched the credits do you get the sound test, and then the last song in the sound test is this secret treasure room Russian dance song. And I was Ooh, always some deep cuts yeah, right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was always, and as a kid, I was always super intrigued by this song that wasn't anywhere else. It was only in the sound test. And you know, there was no internet. Nobody was really discussing it. So I didn't know any of the backstory behind yeah. it. And of course, basically it was that in the arcade version, there were secret treasure rooms and maybe they had originally planned to put them in there, but oh. ran out of room on the cartridge. They couldn't actually fit them into the port in some way. So Despite the fact that that element was cut from the game, they still had the song. So they should have cut out some of the uh, the goofy parts, like you know, <laughs> like not the not good ending and all that, just to make what? room for those goofy treasure. parts. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the, two, <laughs> the, the 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 cryptic like mandatory two player got to grab the magic crystal ball and all of that. It's like, eh, it could have just been. Oh, that's no. the heart. That's the heart of Bubble well, it, Wobble. It is now, yeah. but back then. Maybe you know. they could have cut out some of the le weirder levels, like instead, like instead of cutting out like elements, there were a lot of bizarre levels. It's like you would go to a level and it would say popcorn across that's, the top of the screen. That's the one I was thinking and of. Then there it was, was like, the frying pan yeah, and frying the fire pan? would fall into it. Yeah, exactly. You'd have to pop the fire bubbles and it would land in there and then all the uh, the whale characters, whatever they're called. Yeah. I don't know if you remember what their name is. They, they have, um, I always get the Japanese and the American names. I think the, the whales are Blubba. I think mm -hmm. that's their name. Yeah. And then they would land in the fire and, and yeah, explode. And yeah. Fry. I like that. <laughs> Classic. There were some weird, weird levels. And, you know, there were like levels where it would reference the developers. It'd be like a name or something yeah. like that. And, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, there would be like one that was shaped like a heart, one that was like somebody's name in, in kanji. Yeah. And, all this other they can just do whatever stuff. they want. When you're yeah. creating that many levels, it's just, you know, yeah. the level doesn't have, what it doesn't, have, like. doesn't have to be a fun level because I'm just writing my name. <laughs> <laughs> so. But I still love Bubble Bobble and uh, can always, always listen to that music. So if you haven't heard it before, this is Secret Treasure Room from Bubble Bobble on the NES.
brought up uh, the Rainbow Island, um, the Rainbow Island sequels, and mm-hmm. to me, I like Rainbow Island just probably as much as Bubble Bobble. But mm-hmm. um, there was also a third one called Parasol Stars. I don't know Parasol Stars, and I don't either. I don't like. I don't know where to get this. I, I, I think it's a PAL game, but they have umbrellas and they they fight. It's, <laughs> That's weird. I don't know, but. You like, said, are they like floating down? Well, it's or like something? it's like the um, is it like peach umbrellas? Yeah, it's like the the boy characters from Rainbow Island, which are like the human forms of of Bob and Bob, the mm-hmm. the dinosaur dragon characters from Bubble Bobble. So I think Parasol Stars, um, it's them, and they have these umbrellas, and then they um, they strike with them, and they shoot these little stars. Hmm. So Parasol Stars, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, <laughs> I I've never play played. Sounds it. like a mix of a bunch of different games, yeah. but yeah. yeah. You know what's weird about this song too is that. The main theme loop was short, but this is actually not a short loop. Like it's got the main sort of the main melody, but there's this whole like line that kind of goes through it. And it's not a short loop. It's a much, much longer song than the main theme. Weird that they would include it at all because it seems more like a memory hog than anything. Well, I'm sure it was probably designed or written for a part of the game that didn't make it into the game. Yeah, that's that. That would be, I think, the most logical like that makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, rationale for it. But it's, yeah, it's just weird because it seems like this song. Well, would, and it was, it would, would be more of a memory hog than anything else. Yeah. But maybe it was just like the composer was like, um, I want this in the game. Mm. And so they were like, all right, we got to fit it in somewhere. <laughs> and they're like, all right, we'll put it in the sound test. One other thing that bubble bubble suddenly reminds me of is that, uh, in the, in the during the credits of that game, it was classic of that time where you saw like Capcom and Nintendo and even Tato and stuff like that. Is that when the credits would play, it wouldn't actually be the names of the people who had made the game. I don't think they could, you know, have their names in there. So it'd be like a nickname. Every developer would have like a nickname. So oh, you mean like the the prefills? Well, no, it's just like because they would say like program by, and it would be like by. Pon Pon, and which isn't the name of anybody. Oh, somebody's would, nickname or they, something. They would, and I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I actually think that it was, uh, they weren't allowed to credit their actual names in there. They couldn't actually take credit for that. So in they er- had all these nicknames for themselves. That in, were, oh, really? In early video games, yeah, there weren't even credits. So the, the developers would hide their names somewhere in the game for mm-hmm. you to find sometimes. Yeah. It's a, we, I don't know if anyone knows the classic story of Adventure, the old adventure game on the Atari. And like, there's this Easter egg in it that was discovered 30 years later where you do like a very specific sequence of events and you go into the special room and it says like written by, and then it has the name of the developer. And like, I think that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Impossible to actually find in regular gameplay, but yeah, yeah, that's it. Hidden in there. And just so you know, pon pon is the sound of uh, your bubbles popping. (laughs) Yeah. Bubble bobbles. (laughs) Oh, like that's why that name's in there. Yeah. Like if you, like what I would always do is I'd go up against the wall, like facing it. And yeah. I would just keep tapping the V button. So I would keep shooting bubbles and popping them with my face. And I would get like, like 10 ti- points tiny, per bubble. tiny points, tiny yes. points. But I would just be uh, doing that to try and rack up my score. And it y- would just say, pawn, pawn, pawn. Yeah, we'd have to do that. Like me and my brother would play. And you, what you do is you would clear off the level. And you'd, primarily, you'd want to get one of those candies that made you shoot bubbles really, really fast. Yeah. And then immediately after the last enemy was dead, you would run with your face to the wall <laughs> and just blast that button as fast as possible. Because even though you're racking up only 10 points at a time over time, that means free men, which well, mean, which you need because that was also a game where you could steal men or exactly. give men to And people. my wife and I, would play this game a lot and um, we're really competitive. So a lot of times she'll do the same thing. She'll run up against the wall and, and stick her face in there and blow bubbles. And then I would try and run in there and like 
get in the way and, out. and try to steal her points. That, well, that <laughs> totally works. Is yeah, yeah, like if one person stands over top of the other one, I think it's player one. It's player whoever, one is yeah. stands over top player two. He basically gets all the points for all the popped bubbles. So it's yeah, it's yeah, a dick move because it's not about yeah. um, who shoots the bubbles; it's who pops the bubbles. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now it's time for my pick. And I actually picked something not from the NES Classic Your or nose. from both. <laughs> no. Oh, God. Boo. 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 <laughs> not from the uh, NES class, the NES Classic, but from the Famicom Mini and only the Famicom Mini. So I, I decided, um, so as we discuss on this podcast a thousand times every podcast, that I am young. And I did not play a lot of NES or, or for that matter, Famicom, hardly any of or any Famicom games. Um, so I decided when we were going to do these podcasts that it would be fun for me to just go through the libraries of both uh, mini consoles and find stuff that I thought was cool and different and interesting and mostly that had good music. I was really just searching for good music. So, um, so I, and one of the things I thought would be cool would be if I could pull something that um, wasn't on the NES at all. It always was only released in Japan. And I found Atlantis no Nazo, which translates to the mystery of Atlantis. So very simple. And um, so it was a game, came out in 1986, so two years before I was born. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was developed and published by Sunsoft. And Naoki Kodaka is the composer. So there's a couple cool things about this. Um, one, it introduced me to a new term, a Japanese term, kosuge, which literally translates directly into shit game, <laughs> which, uh, well, I can't wait to hear the music now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? This is, uh, this, and this is a podcast topic we've talked about, but like bad games with good music or good games with bad music. Like why would they put it on a best of like Famicom well, mini co- compilation then? It did have quite a, um, it had a lot of hype leading up to it. They um, so one of my points here is they actually marketed it as the uh, uh, wait I want to find it the game that surpassed Super Mario. So that's how Sunsoft was marketing it, and it, it was it had come out <laughs> after Mario. And well, what it was was it had a hundred levels. So they're like it's surpassed Super Mario in the amount of levels that it has. <laughs> yeah, they'd never heard of uh, quality over quantity. Exactly, yeah. So, totally. But yeah. that's that's how they marketed the game. And it had, like, it. you can actually go online. Like, there's so much stuff about this game online. But um, one of the things you can find is the original trailer on... Uh, on YouTube and I don't understand what it's saying because everything's in Japanese but it's hilarious like <laughs> it's got like all these hilarious like motion effects with spinning and then there's a big demon head and it's like it's awesome wow, it sounds rad yeah it's great yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah Kosuge is the new term I learned and this is kind of like a famous Kosuge so I think that might be why they put it in was because like even though it was kind of a bad game it's everybody knew it thing, I guess. everybody yeah. knew it yeah and it was one of those games where it was like I think it was, you know, we talk about all the time back in the day of rentals or when you didn't have any money, like you bought a game and that was it. That was your game, right? And Fist of the goddamn North Star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kasu- I think- <laughs> Let's talk about Kasuge. Yeah. So, but I think that's like, um, I think that's what this was for like Japanese kids because they were like, their parents probably bought it because they're like, it's got a hundred levels. This <laughs> My kid can play this forever, right? <laughs> and uh, and then it turns out to be the shit game. Um I, I wanted to say it's a uh, very fitting uh, that it's called a shit game because the first level of the game, you're just running across a very like everything's super bland. Like the backgrounds are really basic. The enemies, there's like 
one or two types of enemies per level and the first uh, level it's crows and they're constantly shitting oh, as they fly sense. by you and if that if they hit you or the shit hit you you instantly die and you only get just like real life <laughs> and you only get seven lives and you can like uh, collect some more lives but it's tough like it's a hard game so it's totally my goal when I get go to Japan to get myself a Famicom Mini, yeah. and I'm going to play this game first. Well, oh, so here's what the it, first <laughs> game I'm going to play, <laughs> and you're instantly yeah. going to turn it off. <laughs> but um, as soon as you get killed by a bird shit. But um, so this game actually did get re-releases though. In as I was looking through, they it got re-released on the Wii in the um, Virtual Console and on the 3DS actually. So you can even if you don't have a Famicom Mini, you can go out and play this game. So our North American eShop. Yes, I believe so. Okay. I believe so. So, um, so the plot is several years ago, a gigantic island arose from the Southern Atlantic Ocean due to sudden shifts on the Earth's surface. Numerous adventures made their way to the island to investigate, but none of them were able to return home safely. This island was named Atlantis, and nobody approached it out of fear, even though all the adventurers died. That sounds uh, rad. <laughs> the game's main character is an amateur adventurer named Wynn, who decides to go to the island after learning that his master disappeared on the island over half a year ago, which is a weird time thing. <laughs> <laughs> Armed with the special dynamite invented by the master, Wynn heads over to Atlantis all by himself to face an evil emperor who seeks to revive an ancient empire. You so it's kinda, going on an adventure and the only weapon you take is dynamite. Special dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> now, what's special about this dynamite is that it doesn't explode if it hits the enemy. It explodes only on the timer. So it's, a, it's like a grenade. Yeah. So if you throw it, you can't smoke it. And if you throw it and it lands right on the enemy or right next to the enemy, oh, the timing is off. It, and the timing is off. That enemy's fine. <laughs> can, you hold, can you hold it in your hand and, and no, that's it? smoking yeah, it, yeah. like smoking oh, okay. a grenade. Yeah, yeah, no, you can't. It's it's and then okay, so the <laughs> Sunsoft, you are so bad, yeah, so bad. That is, oh, that so the, the last thing I'll mention <laughs> about the shittiness of this game before I go into the music, which is actually really good, um, is the so a lot of this game is. Um, like centered around really precise platforming. It's one of those things where you have to jump from spot to spot and you have to be perfect or else you fall through. And the like coming off of like knowing when this game came out and Super Mario was already out and how fantastic the platforming feels in Super Mario, right? Like honestly mm -hmm. set the standard forever, right? Mm -hmm. And that you can control your pace even in the air and stuff. This is not that. And it's all length of button press and it is so Hard, like it's so weird and so hard. It's Sunsoft, though. So I'm, in my head right now, I'm thinking of other Sunsoft platformers, and that's that's how their games were back then. <laughs> Is that like they learned nothing, though. Well, the other the other platformers were good because there were other elements to help them out. Like, mm -hmm. for example, if you think of the Batman game, that's the way that platforming was in there. But you had wall jumps, so mm -hmm. if you made a, a shitty jump, you could recover. Yeah, but uh, I, this is horrible. Like, oh, yeah. you'll play this. I'll, I'll I'll give it to you, and you'll play it, and you'll be like, "This is awful." Like, yeah. it's really bad. Um, so yeah, that's all I'll mention before we go into the music, and then I'll talk about some stuff after the music. So, um, but yeah, the the music I'm going to play for you is just the background music one, and then I included the little like uh, jingles that come before. So like the 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 opening the opening screen and the in, yeah. lead in the title screen. It's because those are, they're just really good too. And it kind of, the background music doesn't sound like the background music to me without those. Cause you die all the time <laughs> and you hear those constantly. So anyway, let's, uh, let's have a listen and then uh, we'll talk about it some more.
I played an absolute kasuge um, yesterday. What was that kasuge? It was, uh, okay, here's the story. Um, Norm on Good Old Games bought um, a Halloween package, some sort of sale they were putting on. It cost him, it was four games. It cost him 43 cents. <laughs> and so it came with four. That doesn't bode well. No, it came with four Steam codes and uh, that were a mystery. So it was like a grab bag, mystery packs. Oh, you don't yeah, even know what okay. the games are. Yeah. So you pay your 43 cents and what do you get? So he put the codes up and he's like to, to me and uh, my brother and a friend of ours, he's like, you know, pick a code. Let's see what happens. And I got this game called um, Huntsman the Orphanage. Okay. And oh my God. That's a terrible title already. It is a terrible game. I was like, I was laughing because the mechanics are so broken in that game. Like, is it, is it, is it actually Japanese made? No. Okay. No, it's not. <laughs> Do you play no, as I think a, it's a European. I don't okay. know. But it feels but European. Indie? Yeah. It, Some it just feels like a weird an, indie game. I think it was a Kickstarter, not a Kickstarter title, but like oh, God, an Indiegogo title. Yeah. I think it was actually crowdfunded because oh. here's, here's how I know this is that I was playing it and, uh, uh, it, it gives you no instruction, has no intro, it doesn't tell you anything. I was trying to even pause it to go to a menu where I could change the options and check like graphic settings and uh, like control settings. Doesn't exist, there's no um, options menu. And so you go into it and I'm playing it and bad voice acting. I encounter the first enemy in the game who is standing perfectly still and not even looking at me and not moving, yet I died somehow when I was standing behind it. And then after I died, it played the entire unskippable credits for the game. Sweet. The first time you the died? The first time I died, it plays the credits, <laughs> the entire credits of the game, slowly, very slowly, What were they unskippable. thinking? They weren't. This game is, I, and I was just like, I was laughing my head off because I, it's been a long time since I've encountered a game that was so bad all across the board, and and then I completely broke it. And then when I saw that you're wrong about the Indiegogo thing. Well, when I saw it, I saw it in the credits. It was like Indiegogo, Indiegogo, and it started listing names, which I assumed were the backers. And I'm like, oh my god, somebody absolutely wasted their money. Oh, a lot of people wasted their money. Hopefully, it was like a dollar. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like ten or fifteen or twenty or something. Norm spent forty three cents. So, but I mean, the backers what the backers paid originally. But anyway, to go to back to the mystery of Atlantis. Uh, so a couple more things about this game. So um, one of the other things that this game like reintroduced me to was a, a Japanese TV show called Game Center CX, which um, you may or may have not seen, but it's uh, it's something you would only catch on YouTube. But it's this really funny game where or really funny show where this guy plays old games, like really old games, and they kind of like lock them in this little like it's just this tiny little office. It looks like a meeting room or something with a CRT TV and a Famicom. And they're like, you can't leave until you beat the game. And so he's kind of just doing commentary on the game the whole time. Do they and give him supplies? Like no, he food? starves and they have to replace uh, him like some, every time. Sometimes they'll give him like water or something if it's a really long one. But like, I don't know if they give him food sometimes too. I haven't watched too many episodes to be honest, but um, there's a couple skeletons in there that died playing <laughs> yeah. Mike Tyson's punch out. Yeah. yeah. But the ones, uh, the episodes I have seen are all really funny. And the guy's like kind of a, I think the show is kind of like a phenom in Japan because it's been going for like 11 seasons or something. It's very popular. And the guy is like a, I think he's actually like a stand-up comedian who also does this on the side kind of thing. So did they make him like a playable character in Super Mario uh, Maker? Uh, uh, oh, did, yes, they did. Yeah, they did. That's that right. Comedian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, know. I remember seeing that in game. He made some horrible levels. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> They're garbage. Well, it's probably because he's punishment for forced us. to play yeah. shit games yeah. all the time. So, yeah. Kosuke's. Uh, but uh, so he plays this and um, 
it's just so funny. Like his commentary on it is hilarious. And one of the things that it reminds me of is like, so the game is totally obtuse and there's warp gates all over the place. And so you think like, okay, I'll warp like it, they kind of seem like they're at the end of the level. So you're like, okay, I'll warp to world two, world three, but like all of a sudden you'll jump to world nine and you're like, oh, okay, that's good. Cause I have a hundred. So nine's a good start. And then you hit the next game and you're like back to eight and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> like, and then you'll jump to 11 and yeah. So the warp gates, it's like, it's totally trial and error knowing which warp gates do what, and then getting all the right ones to get all the way to the end. So like this game would take you forever. When did this, when did you say this came out? 86, 86. Yeah. So this came out before Mario two, I believe because they, yeah. Had, after they, Mario one, but probably before Mario two. Yeah. Cause they had that the same thing in the Japanese Mario two, where you could backwards warp as well. Which yeah. Threw a lot of people off, but anyways, yeah. But anyway, so that's kind of all I have to say about this game. But I thought it was a, I thought it was a really good game, uh, or sorry, a really <laughs> yeah. bad game, but with really good music. Is mm. exactly what I meant to say? But uh, yeah, so uh, that's it for part two of episode ten of VGM Generations. And now we'll talk about the contest. So the contest <laughs> is uh, so you can get any one of the games we talk about. Um, on the podcast on Steam. That's but available yeah, on I mean, Steam. Since we're talking about the NES uh, Classic right, so and the Famicom Mini, we can't give you any of those songs. Yeah. But what was the game you talked about last time? I talked about, uh, shoot, I talked about Soma. Soma, right. Yeah. So yeah, we, Soma's on the list. Soma, that it was a, just a refresh memory. It's a horror game set in an underwater facility after the apocalypse. Yeah, and after the podcast was over, actually, Aaron kind of spoiled the whole game for us. But let me tell you <laughs> what a damn plot this game has. What a fantastic <laughs> plot. Like, I'm a big philosophy nerd, and this was great. So if you like philosophy or you like the Matrix and all that stuff, it is awesome. Yeah, it's super, 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 super cool. study on the nature of being and yeah. humanity, then yeah, play Soma. This, this is the game for you. And it, it, like, even though he kind of ruined the game for us, I kind of want to go play it now just because it sounded so cool. But I don't like horror games because they keep me up at night. But it's scary. Or it's you very could, scary. Or you yeah. could play a Kasuge. Or you could see on, play on the virtual console. Yeah. But uh, the one, uh, the next game we're going to add is the game I'm going to talk about right now because it's what I've been playing recently. And it is Overcooked, which is a co-op. It's anywhere from one to four player game. Uh, and it's all about basically like you're running a diner, essentially. And it's just, you have to get ingredients, you have to chop ingredients, you have to add them to the pot or to the frying pan, and then you have to serve them. And then the dishes come back, you got to wash the dishes and it just so it's repeats. Like a, if people know, it's kind of like a, a diner, diner dash diner or dash, a sort of, yep. Sally Salon kind of game. Yeah. So it's one of those, but it is like, it's, it's all about, uh, your score is all based on how many orders you don't miss. So every time you miss an order, you lose 10 points. Um, how quickly you get the order out because you'll get a tip, which is just extra points. And um, and it's really about teamwork. And like, you know, you have to play the level one time, get like a decent score, like one or two stars. Three stars is the best. So you get one or two stars. Um, and then you, uh, you know, you'll talk to with each other and you're like, all right, what are we going to do? How are we going to optimize this? Like, You've like okay, you're washing dishes. Plan, right? I'm getting the veggies. I'm chopping them. I'm adding to the pot. Then you grab the pot. You plate it. Then you put it out. Then you wash it. Like, it's like this whole thing. And it so it's is, like a job that you're not getting paid for. So. Exactly. Yeah. But it's so much fun. <laughs> but, uh, and you're like, when you're playing, you're like screaming, you're like, onions, onions, I need onions. Like, which like, sounds again, like working in a real kitchen. <laughs> it totally does. And you totally have to call it out. You're like, yeah. you're calling, like you just start doing it normally. You're like, order up. And then the yeah. person will run and send the order it's out. One of the games that 
ends friendships, that sort of thing. You well, like want to punch the person. You have next to be to you. careful, right? Oh. Because it's like you either work really well together and do well together, or yeah. if you're like if you're not communicating and you're not working well and you're not in agreement on what you're doing, you will get furious well, with the other person. As we learned playing Three Swords or Triforce Heroes today, that if we ever play with Jordan, yeah, you know, it, it's basically like you're playing a cooperative game and you're yelling for onions and he's running around trolling. Or yeah. like, you know, throwing the wrong things. Throwing the bacon yeah. grease in your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I can't play this game with you on as we know. But right. uh, <laughs> maybe so, we'll see. So next game. Night. No, we will. We will play this next game but, night for sure. Yeah, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. So um, that's Overcooked. So that is now on the list. So uh, you could win Overcooked. And how you win Overcooked or Soma is uh, when I tweet out um, my three tweets for the podcast, one for iTunes, one for SoundCloud, one for Google Play Music. Uh, all you got to do is hop on Twitter and retweet it. So super easy, one click, and uh, gets you your entry. And as we like to say every time, your percentage chance of winning is as high as 100%. Maybe up to. Up <laughs> maybe, to and including maybe 100%. Maybe up to and including 100% with a little asterisk yeah. in the corner. But uh, yeah, you know, if you're listening, you know we're probably quite a small podcast. We're a Kasuge podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to think we're better than a Kasuge podcast. <laughs> we're like one step above. But uh, we are small, so uh, your chances of winning are big. So yeah, just hop on, give us a little retweet there, and that's your entrance. Yeah, and we could buy you Overcooked. Remember, that's Overcooked, not Overwatch. We're not buying you Overwatch. Yeah, Overwatch <laughs> is too expensive, but you can't have Overcooked. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, and that's all for this podcast. We'll talk to you guys in part three. You're saying what?
You're saying what's up, everybody. All right. Ready? Go.